Jake, how's it going? Man, it is going. How are you? I always ask you how's it going, but that's a hard question for a guy like you to answer. Um, I almost always lie. Yeah. You always say you're good. I, I feel like we've had this exact same conversation before on this podcast, but mm. I, uh, you know, if you're, if you're honest when you answer that question, like if you're really going through it and you say, man, I'm just really having a bad day. The, the other person usually like, doesn't actually want to know. Yeah, like, like, uh, unless it's like a really good friend of yours. Like, can you imagine like an acquaintance asking you how it's going? You're just like, man, mm-hmm. I've just really been, I've had a lot on my plate, really just been thinking a lot about things <laughs> and just un- unloading that on someone you don't really know. I feel like that's pretty rude. If that happened Selfish. to me, I would think it was kind of refreshing, but. Hearing you say it like that, that <laughs> sounds pretty funny. I, I don't know if I would know how to react. Like, I, would, I wouldn't I would be like, yeah, that sucks, all right, later. Like, yeah. if they needed to talk about something, I would talk about it. But mm. I would definitely be taken aback by yeah by that. So Or, or give them a no, yeah, therapist I, phone number or something like that. Just like, hey, I don't have time to talk, but I know a guy. I'm not qualified for this, but I know a guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, Just a disclaimer, at the RV park I'm at right now, they seem to be doing um, some light construction work. They started exactly 15 minutes ago when we were ready to start the podcast. So, Wow. If you get a little bit of ambient bulldozer noise in the back, I apologize. (laughs) Um, Did you not turn your your red recording light on on the outside of your Airstream so they knew that you were doing something important? That's kind of a dope idea, actually, (laughs) on air. Yeah, then they'll know. That would be sweet. They need to know that that you're important. Yeah, they need to how know dare they. how important Ron Swans. I mean, Will Ferrell. I mean, what's his name? Anchorman. <laughs> I messed that up. Anyways, <laughs> um, so it's been kind of a big week um, for Talbot Brothers. Well, last week was at the time of this recording um, because we released that single that we talked briefly about at the end mm. of the last episode, and it's been it's been received really well. Um, Good. I'm kind of taking, for a while now, I've been on a little bit of a, when I say social media break, I mean, as far as the socials where uh, you're interacting with people directly, um, mm-hmm. I still use TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I went from saying I would so, never use <laughs> So, hold on. You are taking a break from the giving <laughs> side of social media, but yes. you're still a hundred percent on the taking side. Yeah. And yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Um, for like Instagram, Facebook, I'm not, I'm not doing any taking on that either. I'm, I don't want to get into all the frustrating things about those apps for me, but, um, yeah. So I've been having to ask Nick and same with you with the podcast, kind of, kind of how things are going. I was, going to ask you before we started but I guess we just started um how the how it went last week when we released that episode cuz of my sound I was <laughs> I was talking into a bean can the whole time so. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was going to say it was kind of ironic because like halfway through that episode we were talking about how we've been trying to get good at uh, this recording <laughs> software <laughs> and that was like while the audio was like terrible so yeah well um to be fair we had no idea while it was happening right um, yeah and it started fine so yeah, yeah no no one no one cared i okay. i think i don't think anyone would have said anything um cuz to be honest with you dude it wasn't as bad as it as 
some things have been in the past right. or as some podcasts are <laughs> yeah. like it was still it just sounded like it was like a phone interview which it yeah. was intelligible enough to to publish but yeah like just to pull back the curtain a little bit for some people who want to know more about the podcasting process there have been a few episodes where like either my or tyler or nick's audio has been like unusable mm-hmm. and we didn't realize until at the end and then we have to decide, like, well, are we going to take a break this week, or are we going to like, what are we going to do? And most off, most of the time, we just completely record a new episode like the next day. But the hard thing is, like, sometimes we have to just let go of whatever topic it was because the whole point of this podcast from the beginning was to just be like genuine, kind of authentic conversations. So we don't ever want to redo an episode and feel like we were trying to like have the same conversation twice it just yeah for us it's just not as fun and it, yeah. i feel like it would come through um on the on the recording that we were not all that enthusiastic about it so um we felt like it was a good episode so we decided to keep it so if you if you turned it off midway um <laughs> I, I really don't blame you I don't blame you <laughs> so, i i yeah. like the ones where we'll notice an audio problem pretty quickly into it and so we will all have been laughing our asses off for like five minutes, you know, at what we're all saying to each other. And then we're like, yeah. oh, you know, and then when right. we restart, we're like, hey, man, yeah, so uh, this is what we were going to talk about. I yeah. like that beginning banter stuff enough. Um, Anyways, so I have been taking a break um, from the giving and the taking on a few apps. Uh, I still take <laughs> take a lot on TikTok, trust me. Yeah. Tons of TikTok consuming um, but I've been asking Nick how the insights were going and, and he said they've been going really well. People, people have been liking the song. Um, so far, no angry emails about, um, a change in direction. <laughs> <old> stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's good. been, it's been really good. We've, we've been working with a, um, kind of like a PR team to push out the music, um, to, um, like different uh, mediums that people consume music on Spotify and stuff like that, you know, anything else you can think of. And um, they've been doing really well. We've had a ton of like copyright claims on our music, which means they're doing a really good job because that means people are kind of just putting the song on a video somewhere and then it gets taken down. So, (laughs) which sucks. (laughs) And disclaimer, if you just ask us, we will usually just take care of that. But, um, yeah. You know, I remember I felt really bad this one time because um this couple had a wedding and they loved our music and they asked us to play the wedding but we couldn't do it cuz we were on the road and so mm. they used just one of our songs in a wedding video um because it was like their walk in walk down the aisle song, walk in song. Yeah. God, I'm such, a, <laughs> such an idiot. But um so they put their wedding video up and like the first day they had like sent it out to all their family and friends and it said like this link is unavailable. <laughs> like so we oh, had to, man. we had to, we like we got it worked out or whatever, but um it was it was pretty funny. I've that stuff's kinda weird, you know. I've I make I remember when I was younger and I'd like make stupid YouTube videos or whatever and I'd put a song on there and it'd be like, Well, you can't Yeah. You're it's like, man, I put in like ACDC, isn't that stuff like public domain now? <laughs> <laughs> You'd think the patent would have expired on that by now, but yeah, dude, the whole copyright thing is wild. Like, um, 
especially for someone like if you're not if you're just putting up a wedding video on YouTube and you're not trying to monetize it or you know you're just trying to share the video that's not something you would ever think about but yeah. uh yeah people get their stuff taken down all the time YouTube is crazy cuz if you I think it's like a three strikes and you're out. I think you get like three strikes in a year. Oh, really? And then they'll like suspend your account for um, <laughs> copyright stuff, which is good that they're doing that to look out for, you know, people who have intellectual property out yeah. on the internet. But it's also right. kind of like, okay, for someone, I'm I'm going to get 10 views on this video. Like, right. why, why does this really matter? So, Well, there's a part, I'm a little bit torn on it because I want people to be able to use our songs but, you know, there is a part to it where we do get paid off of the music when it's used in those circumstances, you know. Um, right. I remember a specific example. This guy reached out to us on Facebook and asked about using one of our songs for his commercial. And he offered us, like, so much money for it. And we were like, well, I mean, we would take your money. But to be honest with you, if if you join the subscription service... Um, <laughs> For this. You can use it royalty free. You can use it royalty free, and it will be cheaper for you <laughs> to just do that. Why and did you do that? I didn't want to have to spend sending this guy Dropbox thing, and then it wasn't going to yeah. work. And actually, it was right when we started working with the service, so I wanted to like send everybody there to kind of boost our, um, yeah, you know, because you can kind of start to trend on that service. Right. So I. I wanted that to to work, and um, and he ended up doing that, and then yeah, and then we do, and I mean through this service we use, we'd get, um, it's through Artlist, I'll just say, so we yeah. we do get like they're non-exclusive, um, they have our roster of music, and we've had people texting us. And messing messaging us on Instagram saying, oh, I saw this on this um, this plane show that was that ran like five seasons and you guys were on last season with your song whatever dead man pass or mm -hmm. road and it's like that's pretty sweet it, it yeah. feels really cool and it also is good to know that like people are going through the the proper channels because that comes yeah. back to us more than just like streaming on spotify you know right so yeah i always wonder like because there have been um we probably lost everyone already. Whenever we get yeah. into this like industry talk, I wonder yeah. how, how often people keep into it. But there have been times where I've watched like YouTube video or something and I felt like the the music playing during the B roll of whatever scene was on was like really dope. And yeah. I would like try to find that song and it's just some royalty free song that they got off Artlist or Epidemic Sound or something. And yes. Um but it makes it into one of my Spotify playlists like mm -hmm. something that i will listen to for that week so i always wonder like how often people will hear something just like you know on a commercial and be like yeah that song was really was really killing and then like go find it yeah i think about that too and that might be a more interesting conversation actually because i'm the kind of person where when i am watching tv or a movie or whatever the music is always I talked to Nick about this a little while back because he's always trying to show me new bands. And yeah. and I thought about it really hard, so I hopefully I haven't said it on the podcast yet. Maybe I said it to you, whatever. We're allowed to say things twice, I think. He <laughs> I'm riding with him in the van and he's like, Hey, have you heard this new song by Patrick Droney? And I was I love it. I love Patrick Droney. And one of the yeah, reasons I have so a hard good. time listening to him is because he's so much better than me, you know? And like I right. I like that. 
I like how good he is, but I just have a hard time because I'm analyzing what he's doing the whole time, you know? Like, he's mm. a step above mm-hmm. me. So I am listening to how he writes and plays guitar and mm-hmm. sings, which I think is all phenomenal, by the way. Patrick, join you, please come be on our podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was telling Nick that that's one of the reasons why I do listen to, like, the radio and the news um, more more often in podcasts is because I... I overanalyze all of that stuff. And so mm. I'm thinking about mm-hmm. that too when I'm when I'm watching a movie or whatever. Uh I'm more I'm listening to the music during a scene sometimes more than um like really paying attention to what's going on in the movies or whatever. Um Yeah. I be, I bet a lot of people are that way, aren't they? Like tuned into the music during stuff. Well, that's how I am. Um I'm I mean I'm going to try to think of the right way to explain this. I listen to music with such an attention to energy, right? And like the emotion and the the overall kind of feeling that the thing is trying to portray or convey. Um, so I feel like in the context of movies and TV shows that it's really important um, because they're, it's a another vehicle to try to like keep a, an existing theme going through that show or whatever. And I always think it's interesting like... Um, I think it's interesting to classify music, not not in terms of genres, but in terms of like vibe and feel. So like you and I always kind of say like, uh, just keep that badass vibe going. Yeah. Or like that, you know, like certain songs have that like badassery mm-hmm. to them and some songs have that, you know, mystery or intrigue or whatever to it. And yeah. I think that's really interesting, especially with music that's not, um, that's more just like film score or mm. like, no lyrics or anything it's just just instrumental but for yeah. the sake of whatever feeling like you can you can tell a story without saying any words which i yes. think is cool in in terms of music but yeah there's been a number of times where like i'll be watching a show or something and i'll like go back to an episode on netflix and like do the shazam thing because i like want to find whatever that song is yeah. you know i remember like I used to watch the show the the Blacklist, mm-hmm. um, and show. there was this ex ambassador song that was just like on that show repeatedly that I I needed to find. And there was a they used a Rayleigh Montaigne song that was oh, really cool, and dope. it just like fit perfectly. You know, it was the uh, what is the song is it Under Pressure? You oh, know, yeah. is that what it's called? Oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah. awesome. I I I'm trying to you know with what we do, we're always trying to think about people that casually listen to music. I mean, like the people that go work at the coffee shop and put a playlist on, you know, Mm -hmm. do you do that when you work? Do you put music on Wade? Um, I do, but it's not probably what you would expect someone to listen to while they're working. It's classical, like slow motion murdering scene. That's what you would expect someone. You (laughs) normally when people are like, studying or working they throw on like the chill chill hop kind of chill mm-hmm. beats playlist which i love that kind of stuff but i usually never listen to it while i'm working mm. when i the only time i listen to music when i'm working is when i really need to focus in and i listen to like wild shit like mm. like uh august burns red screamo music or mm. like um animals as leaders just like super technical and like uh driving a lot of notes all at the same time kind of stuff because for some reason 
I feel like that lets that keeps my brain moving at a fast pace. Whereas if I'm wow. listening to something like too um, like chill and slow, it's easy for me to just like not have any sense of urgency in my work, and I feel like I don't get anything done. So it makes it's, it's mean, very weird. Like when I used to study, when I used to study in college, I would listen to just like insane music because I needed to keep my brain active or else I would just like sit and stare at the paper and and like not do anything. That's really interesting. That surprises me, but it makes sense when you explain it. I, cause I'm the opposite. Like if I got music on, just like I talked about earlier, I'm, I'm, I can't check into what I'm doing. So I can throw the radio on. They could be talking about nuclear warfare and stuff in the background and I can be working on something and it doesn't bother me, you know? But right, it's weird. That's wow. That's really interesting. And the music you pick too. But that makes sense because it's so tight and rhythmic, yeah. right? And you you kind of right. like keeping your brain on a on a train track almost. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, I always I think about our music in people's earbuds that are listening while they're working and stuff, and I wonder how. I wonder how that works with them because when we are working on a song, it's all these little details, you know? Mm-hmm. And you brought this up when I sent you um, some songs that we have pretty much finished finished just to get your input on them. You said, um, what was it? All those little ear candy things that are happening in the background can sometimes be distracting if they're yeah. overdone. And so for me, when you say that, I think, oh, what if this person does throw our music on while they're working or, or working out or whatever? And mm-hmm. um, those things are, are, instead of adding to their activity, are like pulling them out of it in a way. You seem right. to have kind of harnessed that with what you listen to. Yeah, I mean, the other, the other thing for what I'm listening to stuff is I, if I'm working on something, it has to be something that I've listened to a lot before. Oh. Cause then I'm not, I'm not listening to it with like a fresh, like where right. I'm trying to hear it for the first time. You okay. know what I mean? But there are a lot of people that are not, I mean, I would say I'm an outlier in the way that I approach like listening to music for the sake of productivity. The vast majority of people just throw on a playlist and sure. a lot of the music is stuff they heard the first time or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it is like, it is important from a production standpoint to keep in mind, like just always serving the song. Right. Mm -hmm. And there have been a lot of times where I've listened to music regardless of the context and, uh, something has happened in the song and it like completely pulls me out of what I'm doing while I'm listening to that song because it's like so jarring or it Mm -hmm. like feels so out of place. And I'm like, it pulls me out of not just the song, but like my life because I, my entire brain latches onto that but not necessarily in the in the right way and the big deal for us i guess to apply that when we're making music would be that that especially doesn't happen to you when you're actively listening to the song there was a few things i feel like we kind of tried to experiment with and the and some of them made it through the the gate i guess and are happening (laughs) but like during the song it did it does kind of feel like you pulled out for a minute or something. And, um, mm. you know, the the problem with those decisions that we're making is usually it goes through at least three people, you know, and then we try to take in the input of you and, um, you know, a couple other people we trust. So it's like, 
it's not just like Nick and Ty are in there like, yep, that's what's going to happen. And right. Nick and I usually butt heads on it anyways. So, yeah. Um, but well, I'm everyone kinda, has an opinion on, yeah. on stuff like that. I know. I I guess I don't I don't want to make it sound like I don't listen to music <laughs> at all, but because I like to put it on like um, when I'm cooking or something mm. like when I'm around the house because I feel yeah. like, but even then I'm very attentive to like what is playing, you know? Mm-hmm. That's why I love to throw on like Nathaniel Ratliff or Ratliff, however you say his last name, um, because I feel like it's sort of like house, like party R&B style music. Yeah. And you can just kind of do anything to that. Like if you do a little dancing in the kitchen for a minute or if you're cooking and you're in and out of the right. room, um, you know, you probably wouldn't want to throw on Ghost Talker by the Tower Brothers when you're cooking, you know, because it would just be. I don't know. A little. Heavy. I've done it. <laughs> oh well, that's cool. That makes me feel good. See, I I obviously have no grasp on like what where our music is landing in in someone's day. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, some some people just always listen to the same the same stuff no matter what they're doing. Like yeah. there are there are people that love like whatever genre you guys classify yourselves as um, that just love that stuff. And so whether they're studying or working out or driving or cooking, they're going to throw that on. Mm-hmm. But like to be a musician, it's, it's a very interesting thing being a musician and also liking to listen to music. Like yeah. I don't, I don't think you can be a good musician without listening to music. It's right. like, it's kind of like watching film, being an athlete. You kind of have yeah, to see what everyone point. else is doing. Um, but like you said, like it's hard to it's hard to step out of it and not be um, analytical, especially if it's something that's similar to what you do, because you're always kind of like comparing what you do to what you're listening to. Yeah, and do I listen to? I hate when people do that when they ask themselves questions. I don't really listen to artists that are similar to what I'm making right now. Yeah. Like I've always thought if I did a solo record or something, it would sound different than what we're making together, Nick and I, you know? Yeah. And I don't really listen to anything right now that sounds like what we're making. And a lot of that influence, like Nick pushed hard for the vibe of a lot of this new music and Mm -hmm. not in a bad way at all. I mean, he has been trying to do it I think for a couple years and um you know as a person who doesn't listen to a lot of new music and I'm not aware of Nick will show me some girl that just came up out of somewhere in Nashville that has you know just come onto the scene or whatever and the music is so killer and and he's been doing that constantly um and I think that that kind of like broke the dam for me. I was like, I'm going to let him. He doesn't need my permission, but I will step back and let yeah. that good, those good ideas come through. And a lot of times he would show me a band directly, like an, an inspiration he got for a part and say, I want it to sound like that, you know, but, but us. Mm-hmm. And so we'd try to like, you know, in a way, kind of run it through our filter and do it our own way and um it was fun i think that's why we well and just with the indiegogo we were able to take that time to experiment mm. and yeah and uh you know try try something 10 times until 
until it was really good. And I, I've, it's been such a fun, fun process so far. That's why I'm really glad that yeah. song was received well too, you know, cause there's some different things there. Yeah. No, it's, it's so good though. And I, there, there's definitely like the, uh, you can see where some of the inspiration comes from, I guess. Like, cause Nick and I tend to listen to similar music too. Like I, I used to be the guy that never wanted to listen to pop music. And mm-hmm. uh, I honestly, only within like the last couple of years have I really changed my tune on that just because I felt like I was doing myself a disservice as a musician by not really knowing what was going on. Yeah. Um, and not that like the drum parts specifically are really all that different, but just in terms of like the overall sound of everything coming coming into my ears um i feel like it's important to know like what's working and what's completely new and and all this and uh i don't know i i really like i really like that song burned i think it has is a really good uh sound and atmosphere and everything to it yeah what's really interesting too is that you know as a drummer i think a lot of people don't think about play styles when it comes to drumming but if you talk to a drummer they can give you like a list of at least five guys that they listen to that might have different styles or whatever, but they can talk mm-hmm. about the way they play, you know? Right. And um, the other day I was, Nick was playing one of our songs back, a new one that, cause we were listening to the, the master version, which is, I don't know, we probably said it before, but it's when it just gets all the nice shine on it after it's been in the studio. Usually someone else does it that's completely separate from the project. It's nice to have like a new set of ears on it, but he was playing that back. And and I said something to the effect, it was probably about um, Droney, Patrick Droney. I think I said like, man, I just... I, ever since I heard that guy sing and a few others, you know, I've always compared my voice to that. And I said kind of offhand to Nick, I was like, I wish I had a voice set. Like when I, when people heard it, they recognized that it was me. Not that they know, I'm saying if they've heard our music before, they know, know it's yeah. me. And Nick's like, you do. And I was like, what? And he's like, you do. Like if they've mm-hmm. heard our music before and you sing, they know it's you singing. They know it's a Talbot Brothers song, and I was like, "Damn, that's cool." Because I don't, I, I only see from where I'm sitting, you know, and all these great yeah. artists. And I think that you go through that all the time. Like, you'll mm-hmm. come and play some sick beat or something. And you're like, "Yeah, but you know, I don't know about this and this." And it's like, me and Nick are like in the van, just like <laughs> jumping up and down. You know, it, it's. I want, it's really cool, but I like yeah. it because you, who are some of your, I mean, we can get into it a little bit. If, if they've listened 30 minutes in here, then they're going to go with us. But yeah, like who are some of your favorite um, drummers? I'm putting you on the spot now because now you have to know you five. Are. <laughs> you are. You could know two, honestly. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, it depends on, it depends on what I'm trying to play, but I feel like when I'm playing with you guys, which you guys are the only people I play with, but the stuff I play by myself is really different from how I play with you guys, to be honest. But mm-hmm. um, when I'm doing like the band setting stuff, I I think a lot about um, Aaron Aaron Sterling, who plays he plays for a ton of people, but most notably plays with John Mayer. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think about Paul Mabry, who's like this killer um, session guy. Um, yeah, he's he's played on like pretty much every Christian record you've ever heard. Is he but that also guy a bunch that you stuff. send the Instagram videos all the time of him just playing riffs? Yes. Yeah. Oh man, he's they're so always good. in black and white. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's so good. <laughs> he's so good. Um, and then also a guy named Jonathan Womble who used to play for Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors, and I think mm. now he just does um, session stuff from from his house. But uh, those are like my top three in terms of like singer-songwriter, rock, um, you know, playing with a band vibe guys because they, they have a very like minimalist way of playing but also a very specific sound to them, you know, and a lot of that comes from instrument and sound selection like going back to what we talked about last week with like gear and stuff they all play very different setups right but that kind of lends itself to their specific sound as a drummer but they Mm. like aaron sterling sterling is kind of a little bit more experimental and out there but um when he's playing with john mayer it's like very straightforward like singer songwriter type minimalist get out of the way drumming and uh i used to i used to listen to guys like Benny Greb, who is just like this insane chops time, like funk plays in whatever time, like just can mm-hmm. play anything. But uh, I learned really quickly that although he's like this insane drummer and I've learned a lot from him about just like music theory and drum theory and stuff, like chasing after his licks and his play style does not suit me for the music that I play because it's just mm. it's just too much you know like I picked up some little fills and licks from him that I I try to work in when I can just because they're like more interesting than the typical um eighth note fills that singer songwriter drummers usually play in right. but um, <laughs> it's this weird balance of like wanting to because I think drummers go through the same thing of wanting to have a voice on but on a drum kit like guitar mm-hmm. players want to want to have a signature style and sound drummers go through the same thing but it's tough because as a drummer it's way easier to get fired than as a like lead singer in your own band or the lead guitar player in your own band right because (laughs) you can definitely be overplaying and doing too much so Mm. yeah i don't think there's a lot of singers that i really listen to and um so are you saying if you if you heard something Aaron Sterling did on a, on a clip or something or during a specific song, you might try to get on your kit and just figure out how to do that thing sometimes. Yeah. Oh, that's all the time. That's what Nick does with his guitar. And maybe the reason yeah. that I don't feel like I am, you know, the best singer I know is because I don't do that. Like, and it's not because I, it's just simply like, that's kind of the first time I've heard it put that way, you know? I used to do that yeah. when I was a kid. Um, but then when the, when more of my focus gets on the writing, you know what I mean? See, like, I think that's that's the only parallel to draw with it, though. Like, sure. it, it, it's such a different thing with voice, like actual voice, because it's that's, like, biological. There's not yeah. a lot you can do to actually change your voice. Like, you could, but then you'd be imitating a specific sound. I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> Like there are things you can do to improve, improve your voice. But to me, it doesn't, it wouldn't make sense in my mind for you to listen to John Mayer sing and be like, okay, I need to, I need to sound like John Mayer. 
it's like, no, you need to sound like the best Tyler Talbot, like yeah. improve your pitch, your control. Like those are the things that you can, um, you can draw from dynamic range, but like the actual yes. fundamental sound, I don't think would, I think it'd be a waste of time to try to copy people, but yeah, that's a good like point. songwriting. You can, you can pick up a lot from people's songwriting right. too. Yeah. And I think it's something else I tend to do, which might not be, um, super beneficial, um, is that I kind of, I, songwriting is my rehearsal and that is probably not really great because, I mean, I discover new guitar, ways to play the guitar and new ways to sing notes and, um, when I'm songwriting, like I'll do something like, okay, that's cool. I'll remember that and I'll record it even mm -hmm. if it's just a little piece and then I can Usually if I've done it, then I can do it forever as I'm writing the song. You know, if you think about it, when I'm writing a song, I'm starting like 15 or 20 recordings um, and playing the same kind of riff in the same spots or singing it the same way. And so that's kind right. of rehearsing those things for me. But I'm not the kind of person where um, if someone said, hey, Tyler, come up on stage with us, you know, and sing this song with us and just do this thing like last minute. I'm not the kind of person that would go up there and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, like Ariana Grande Oof. all over the place. Oh, do you like that? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll have to record that one. Hang on. <laughs> Give me a second. <laughs> um, but Everyone it's just, listening just got 10 degrees hotter. <laughs> We're done with the recording now. <laughs> we gave you as much good content as we could. So I get I get that way with it, and I I think I should be the kind of person that, especially how important it is to me in the job. I I should be practicing like we do a scales and stuff when we warm up for shows, but you know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? The difference, right? I I uh, Drew Drew Holcomb did a a TED talk a while back where the the main theme was creativity, but he talked about one, one thing where he used to just kind of like sing kind of full balls all the time. And then he had a, pro a producer he was working with, um, stand like an inch away from his face and be like, sing it now. Oh, damn. And it, it, that's, that's the way that he recorded on, on the album was like, he needed to learn like the control to still have the right mm. pitch. And, um, still have a full sound but at a lower volume and like right. get kind of that like sensitivity going so like the technique of singing like there's I mean I have no idea because I'm not a singer but I just I think about like all the technique that goes into drums and all the technique that goes into gu guitar like there's got to be technique that you can actually practice with singing um but just with your own voice. Well, you said one of the words that I that I hear all the time, and I guess is something that I am trying to be conscious of is the is control, because I mean I've got a compliment here or there that from a, from a singer that is like, wow, you know I can't believe the control you have with your voice, but I never want to lose the the feeling that I have that I don't have good control of it. Like there are still sometimes every once in a while, even during a show where like. I'll be feeling good and I think I want to try something and uh, I just won't either nothing happens 
or it's just like <laughs> like the note just gets thrown off into like left field, you know. And um, yeah, I've been I'm trying to be more because Nick has been telling me with shows he's like we'll do stuff in rehearsal that he's like man why don't you do that at the show and I'm like well I don't want to do that at the show because at this point this will be going on and I am not the main focus right there mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. and so I've been trying to trying to get give more to be more entertaining with it but um yeah I really like what you said about Drew Holcomb cuz I've felt that same way like I always felt like I just had to be full volume and like you know, balls to the wall for lack of a better term. And and then when um it was actually when we got in with Justin in the studio, he was kinda like, Man, you I'd start a song off and he'd be like, The words that you're saying, the words that you're singing and how you're singing it don't match up. Right. And and so once, you know, I'm trying to be a bit better about um like making that match up. You know, like if it's a if it's a sweet love song, I don't need to sing it like uh you know, burned, you know, we, Mm -hmm. we got love doesn't need to sound like that. And it's just, right. I, I am conscious of that. I still think there's a lot, a lot more I could do, (laughs) but yeah, (laughs) I am thinking about those things all the time. Yeah. Another thing about like we were talking about when I hear a, a drum lick and I take it to the kit to try to learn it, like the thing with drums that might surprise you is every drummer can play like the same four notes and sound different just by the way that they, the way that they pull, this is going to sound so wild for people that don't play drums, but the way that they actually pull sound out of the drums. Mm. And so like there's a number of times where I will learn note for note a fill or a beat Uh, or groove or something that a drummer that I really like plays and like I'll record it and I'll be like, why does this not sound like them? Like, why does it not sound good? But like people just have a way of playing drums, like just like they have a way of singing and a way of playing the guitar. So like that's why I hate playing on this electric drum set because you lose all of that you just like the sounds are just whatever sounds come out of the, the brain of the kit. Whereas Mm -hmm. like on acoustic drums, you can actually, the way that you hold the stick, the sticks that you use, like the weight of the sticks, um, the drum heads, the, the drums themselves, just like everything goes into the overall sound of each note. So like I, I went down the rabbit hole for a couple years of like, (laughs) stopped stopped chasing fills and stopped chasing grooves and just started chasing sound and control mm-hmm. and dynamics and all these things that I felt like cuz I man I've seen so many bands and so many drummers and like I feel like th- this is going to sound bad like I don't want to offend anyone but a lot of times when they go through their roster of musicians when, like they're finishing the show and they're introducing everyone on stage And they say, from Nashville, Tennessee, so-and-so on drums. Like, it makes sense because they all sound the same from Nashville usually. Yes. Like, they all have that, like, they're all super good, super talented, very tight. Mm -hmm. Um, But not a lot of them have, like, their own sound on the drums. You know what I mean? Like, Mm. it's, they just have that, like, workhorse drummer sound, which is a, it's a great thing. Like, don't get me wrong, but um, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be one of these guys that could play all these fills and like shed on the drums, but 
um, just sound like monotone or like have yeah. kind of one one dimension, one dimension mm. the entire time. I think yeah. like you and I have talked about this in the context of singing where like you could take the time to learn how to do vocal runs and like have that like chromatic mm-hmm. control. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, there's so many people doing that right now that right. does that really add anything to what you're doing? Yeah, they, they start to sound the same, right? You know, there's there's a lot of pop artists um, you know, in my opinion, and that sound very similar. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they may have a different timbre on their voice, but the way they sing and the runs they're doing and stuff are very similar. And I'm, I mean, it's cool. I'm, and sometimes it is about a song. You know, with some some bands, um, especially pop bands that you listen to, it's kind of more about the whole experience of the song rather than just what the singer is doing, but. Um, right. You know, I, I feel like I bring her up way too much, but Ariana Grande is like one of those voices you hear where you know it's her right away. She is also mm-hmm. so good, and she is also paving the way for a lot of vocal stuff, right? And then right. you have a girl like Billie Eilish who kind of takes the more mm. subdued um, approach to singing, but she still is very unique and you know it's her when she goes mm-hmm. you know and she's not doing a ton of runs and stuff like that but then you have all these artists in between who are just trying to be this or that and they all are kind of clumped together and I don't want to do that and I want to you know it sounds like a cop out it's like dude are you just saying you don't want to sing really really well because you could <laughs> yeah. if you tried but that's not what I'm saying like yeah. I went to, I went to I mean, briefly, but I went to music school. I took four years of theory in high school. I did choir ever since elementary through junior high, through high school. I had one of the best choir directors in, you know, at least in Nebraska in high school. Mm -hmm. We went, did all of this solo stuff, all this competition. So many nights of he and I after school, just like him helping me through these ideas and stuff that I had for singing and songwriting. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not saying that I haven't put in the work and I'm just blessed and, you know, hashtag blessed. I'm saying the style I want to have is like a strong, it's like you talked about with the drums. Like you want to have like a, a strong steady beat that supports a song songwriter's music. And Mm-hmm. And and what you were talking about um, earlier on about how, um, I mean we're we're down deep in it now, so you should you should talk about it a little bit. But like what you run through, what do they call it again? Rudiments, right? I always ask you, is that what it <laughs> yeah. is? Like right, yes. that kind of stuff is not necessarily specifically being used in what you write for us. Right. I'll just stop talking now. I'll let you. No, I mean, you're right. Like, um, I'm trying to think of the, the best way to explain it to people that don't play drums, but you're good at it. Just, I mean, just do it. You're, you're referring to like when I wake up and I run through like single strokes, double strokes, like some, some different patterns and stuff. And yeah, that, I mean, that's one of the ways that I've been working on my control. Um, and I, I mean, I use some of that for fills and for some, some beats, but yeah, for the most part, that's like 
when you're trying to just play when you're trying to play a lot of notes at once you you fall back on on rudiments because they tend to be more efficient but mm-hmm. um it's kind of funny like it's not 100 percent related but um i i spent so much time learning how to play as quietly as i can and still be in time and still have like a confident sound that uh it <laughs> When when I was in the studio most recently, I I realized that as a weakness of mine is not knowing how to play loud anymore. Like, there were so many times where Justin would be like, "Dude, just hit the hit the snare, like hit it loud." Wow. And I I just like I I lost a lot of power on the drums, which is funny because I can play like I can play low and tight, which is something I learned from playing with you guys in like small rooms for a long mm. time. Where like now I have to play loud and be this like uh, kind of showman drummer. I don't know how to, how to do it. Wow, but, that's really wow, that's um, really interesting. Very cool. I've gotten that same criticism with drums. Like when I talk to other musicians and other drummers, especially that are way better than me, um, they'll say like they'll they'll call me out for using that as a cop out for just like not practicing fills and stuff. And I'm like, no, dude. Mm. I don't want to have all these fills and not have complete control. I would rather have yeah. the control and then build the fills after that because then I feel like I I feel like I have more headroom that way. Whereas if I just learn mm-hmm. all these patterns and learn how to blaze around on the drums, but it's all like a thousand notes at this volume every single time, <laughs> I feel like it's not usable. You know, like <laughs> I don't play I don't play arena shows and. I can't just play as loud as I can, as many notes as I want all the time. Yeah, like, exactly. I'd rather be more efficient and selective and like... Well, you, you've been growing with the room since you started playing, you know? Right. Which is, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we've played with guys before that are playing an arena in a 20-person tavern. Right. You know, and it's like, this won't work. <laughs> so you have been growing in size, you know, now the theater thing's happening, so you're you're playing like you play in the theater and I, and I would say you do it confidently. It sounds good. It sounds, uh, purposeful. Yeah. I, I want that to be how I sing too. You know, I mm-hmm. want, you know, if I sang like I do on stage for most of the songs and in like a acoustic, you know, intimate setting after the show or something for a, a backstage thing or whatever, I, people would be like, glute smashed into the wall you know like you can't you can't sing like that so that's something you know just walking away from our conversation right now i'm gonna practice is like there's a siren back there but i'm gonna try to practice like having that full control at a lower volume too because it i think that can be useful and if you listen to dave matthews for example and is there like a thing with dave matthews that i don't know about like he doesn't have like a in the music world among other artists. He doesn't have like a Nickelback thing going, does he? Like everybody likes him, right? I think a lot of people don't like Dave Matthews, dude. Really? Yeah. Okay, because when I was there was there's been several times like setting up for shows, I'll have artists come up and and I'll say, oh, you know, like well, we really like this um, thing Dave Matthews does with Tim Reynolds, where it's like two acoustic guitars, and and like as soon as I say Dave Matthews, they're like checking out. I'm like. Is he not like the goat of songwriters for like our you know? There's def- there's right. definitely a Nickelback thing with Dave Matthews. Oh, I don't wow. I don't I personally don't understand because I I really like him, but 
Yeah, well, I, I liked Nickelback too. <laughs> I did too. So I, I did too. What, I don't. I didn't know what happened there either. But then I was kind of like, oh yeah, Nickelback sucks, huh? Right. Right. <laughs> well, anyways, um, I just use him as an example because he has one of the best acoustic shows I've seen, um, and I think it's probably the a little bit of the the hate he could get because he can be gimmicky. Yeah. And. Um, but anyways, his sound guy has been traveling with him for like years and years. Mm. And he has control over Dave Matthews' mic. And he knows in the parts of the songs where he's going to get down really low and sing it meaningful like that, quiet, and then he can crank the volume. So mm. it's always there. It's not like us showing up and we've, we've had to bring a sound guy with us who doesn't really know our music that well, but right. tries to keep up with the changes and... Um, so that's a thing too, you know, as far as singing, having like someone out there who's working with the volume you're putting out. Right. Yeah. Um, I hope we're kind of getting there too. So I don't want to rely on that. You know, I want to be able to sing like you were talking about just dynamically, but still have it push through, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's a different thing than relying on him pulling you down in the sensitive parts where like you're just mm-hmm. always singing at 10, you know, and he has to pull you down. It's better better for someone to have to add more of you than pull you out, in my opinion, yeah. which is why I play quietly. But yeah, that's <laughs> maybe that's, that's another really excuse point. for myself. Nah, well, that's all this podcast is. We just make ourselves feel better about yeah. <laughs> all the stuff we have problems with. I do think in the context of vocals, though, like you can definitely... There's definitely an energy element to like when you're singing loud versus singing soft. And like I said before, sensitively, but, um, you know, like a really delicate part of the song, if you're singing kind of low, it adds a certain feeling and vibe and energy. Like I said before, I, I always think about the energy curve of a song, um, and like directing the energy and, build up and pay off and all this. And there's, dude, there are some singers and some records that I've listened to where um, things just feel anticlimactic because they can't get there, you know, Mm. or they're always there and they're like, they feel anticlimactic because there's no build because they were there from the beginning, you know, so. Right, yeah. I think we ran into that a lot in the beginning where like we were trying to keep it so honed in for the size of the venue. And a lot of people didn't understand that, that we were trying to keep the size small because we knew where we were, you know? Right. It's not in music for us. It was never dress for the job you want. It was like be. Right. We know where the shows we're going to be playing live. So we need to have our sound on the record mimic what people hear that night because that's where they're Mm going to buy it the cd um at least you know seven eight years ago that's how it was um right now we we can kind of just do whatever we want on a record and trust that we will be able to replicate that live in some way and so Mm -hmm. that's been kind of freeing um but still in the realm of of like human capability you know you want to be able to do stuff that that guys can or girls or whatever you are, can play People. on a stage, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's an easier way to say it. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I do always think it's interesting the way that you guys, uh, well, not just you guys, artists in general, but um, will change songs for the show. 
Right. Like you hear it one way on the record. In your case, most of the time it's like a full band song on the record turned acoustic. And it's yep. like there's one strategy to that, which is just to play the same song cover to cover, but with acoustic guitars instead. But I yep. feel like most of the time you guys take the time to like revisit the composition and revisit mm-hmm. like everything about the song, you know. Yes. And I love when you hear a band play something completely play the same song, but it's almost a different song when it's live right. because especially when it's one of their old ones that is really well known. Um, like we talk about need to breathe all the time, but this is something that mm-hmm. they do really well too, especially with their older songs. Cause it's like mm-hmm. they do, they play those songs all the time. They, they got to mix it up just for their own sanity, yeah. but also for the people that are listening to it. Like it's not fun to hear the same song the same way every time. Yeah. Yeah, if, if anybody wants to know exactly what Jake was talking about, the song that came to mind, you know, to be selfish and talk about my music um, is we have a song called Wired that's on our album Ghost Talker. And it's such a subdued song, you'd think, what could you do acoustically? Well, simply having Nick not be on an electric and play an acoustic guitar instead, and then I played piano rather than playing any other thing that I played on the the full band song it right. it's it gives it such a I think you I think I remember you saying it after I showed you the acoustic version like okay like this is making the lyrics really hit home mm-hmm. even more than the original did because of kind of like the desperation and the the hollow feel the mm-hmm. piano is a big one for us duo I'm I'm not a great piano player I like to play it but it, um when Nick and I take a song and break it down, that's an easy way for us to make it really interesting and different. And like people just love, people love the piano so much, mm-hmm. you know, anytime we bring it out, it's always people are um, making comments about it. So I, I want to get better at that too. And, you know, I've just talked about a whole podcast, how I, I'm a singer and I got to get better at singing, but there's a lot, there's a lot to do. Well, hey man, there's... So stick around. If you're ever in a spot where you don't feel like you need to get better, then uh, you're doing something yeah. wrong. Yeah, you know, you point. should, you should always feel like there's something to learn or something to improve, even if you're really mm-hmm. good. Like I, I have this idea in my head that the artists that we really admire um, and, and strive to be like don't sit in a room and just talk about how good they are. Like they know they're good, but I think they can always find things that they could do better. Um, So I was thinking of that, about that, that drum fill thing you said, Um, like just imagining a drummer that you like get done practicing a fill, you know, and then just be like, damn, so cool. You know, (laughs) like, have you, I've never done, (laughs) I've never done anything like that in my writing. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, It'd be sometimes kind of, kind of sometimes you time. hit something just right and you and smile like, oh, yeah. a little bit, but you know, mm-hmm. I'm never too full of myself for very long. <laughs> Usually, immediately yeah. after, I, I mess something up because I was <laughs> spending too much time reveling in my accomplishment. <laughs> so humility, humility always finds me some way or another. Yeah, that's funny. All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks for listening to another episode of Similar Vein Podcast. We o- we always like pulling back the curtain on these ones and uh, hope you enjoy it too. Um, be sure to check out Burned on Spotify and uh, be sure to rate and subscribe on the podcast if you haven't already and hit us out on Instagram. Wow. Hit us up on Instagram at Similar Vein Podcast and we will see y'all next time. See y'all.